Greetings. The scripture reading is taken from uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And I'll be reading from the uh, NIV Bible. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I'm going to start a saying, and I want you to finish it. Can you do it? Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence, you know. <laughs> I wasn't really expecting verbal response, but I appreciate that, Danny. It's good to see you here. Good to see you here. We've been missing you. All right. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We've spent a majority of our year and a lot of the lessons that we've heard, especially over this past summer, talking about the Lord is my shepherd. There were about 13 different speakers that came and each gave us a different passage and a different uh, text for which they attacked the, the statement, the Lord is my shepherd. Some of them went to John chapter 10 and talked about Jesus being a good shepherd. Some of them went to uh, Mark, uh, Luke chapter 15 and talked about uh, the parable of the shepherd of going after the sheep, going after the one that was lost. But as we look at the Lord is my shepherd, we cannot usually detach just the Lord is my shepherd from the second part of that statement, which you know by heart. The famous text from Psalm 23, the psalmist is saying, I know the Lord is going to take care of me from the perspective of a sheep and looking at himself and then looking at the Lord and saying, he is my shepherd and I know that I shall not have anything or I shall not lack anything. Have you ever really thought about that statement with regard to your life, with regard to my life? I shall not want. He goes on to talk about leading beside uh, the green pastures or leading in green pastures and beside the still waters and restoring his soul. And the psalmist, in essence, is saying, I have, as the Lord's sheep, I have every single thing that I need. I shall not want. I want you to look at yourself this morning. I want you to look within yourself and ask yourself if that's really the case with you in your life at this moment on uh, at uh, 1030 on, on whatever Sunday this is in September here at the Great Road Church of Christ. Can you say without a doubt that I look at myself and I say, I'm trusting the Lord as my shepherd. Therefore, I have every single thing that I need, need, not want. I shall not want. But we, we don't really think about that a lot of times. And instead, in our consumer-driven society, we sometimes get in the mindset and the perspective that I'm going to want that next big thing that's flashed up on the screen or in the magazine or on the Internet that comes across because I feel like that if I have that, then I'm going to have everything that I need in order to make me happy. You know what? It's chasing after something that's never going to make you happy. Psalmist would talk about, or excuse me, the Ecclesiastes writer would talk about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, it's all vanity. It's all striving to grasp after the wind. Can I look at myself and can I look within myself and say, I have everything I need with the Lord as my shepherd. In fact, we've got phrases that go along with this or go against this. 
And we talk about the grass is always greener on the other side. And in my mind, I have, whenever I hear Christians say that, I have a picture of this Christian that's standing right up against the barrier, right up against the barbed wire fence as a sheep, and they've got all this green pasture behind them, and they're looking over into what God has said no to. They're looking over into the sinful and saying, if I just had that, I would be happy. I would be content. I would be joyful and blessed. And instead, what that Christian really needs to do is turn around and see exactly what God has given them and the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. To see that He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. And the fact that with the Lord, it's not that the grass is always greener. It's the fact that He has given me far and above and beyond anything that this world can offer me. I shall not want. The problem is, is that we look at our lives and our circumstances and we think because of the difficulty of what I'm going through, because if this situation were just changed just a little bit, I feel like that things could really work out and I could be happy with what the Lord provides. Look at Philippians chapter four. We're going to work out of this text this morning. And I want you to notice a couple of things about the Philippian epistle. First of all, is it is within the group of the epistles, the letters that Paul sent, and it's known as a prison epistle. You know where Paul was when he wrote this letter? He was sitting in a Roman jail cell, chained to a guard who was sitting not just but a couple of feet away. And as he's writing this from jail, he's telling these Christians over and over and over again to rejoice, to be joyful. Because God has provided everything that we need. Because as the sheep says, I shall not want. That's under the Lord's or the shepherd's care. He's writing this uh, to the Philippian Christians from a jail cell. And he's telling them to rejoice. I find that curious, don't you? What I want you to also note is how many difficult and hard things he talks about in Philippians chapter 4 that are worthy of our consideration. You got your Bible open? Look at them. The first one that he's going to talk about is discord. Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Discord. Within the local church, there were two ladies, Euodia and Syntyche, which we'll talk about more in just a moment. They were not getting along. And sometimes for us who are of the mindset that we feel like that everybody should get along at every single minute of the time and everybody should like us and everybody should feel uh, good things towards us and the things towards we believe in and care about, Why is it the discord, the disharmony, that problems in relationships sometimes cloud our minds and our judgment? If things were just better between these people, if things were just better with my husband or with my wife, if things were just better when the relationship between me and my kids, I know I could say with the Lord, I shall not want. Discord, disunity. Note the second thing, anxiousness anxiousness, worry. He begins chapter 4 and verse 6 talking about be anxious. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about these things. Does anxiousness ever creep into your heart and my heart? Do I ever find myself worrying about money, about situations, maybe about those relationships we just talked about? Do I ever find my peace being robbed of me because it is that I look at things that are going on in my life or in somebody else's life and I think, oh no, what are we going to do about that? Worry? 
Am I ever overcome with worry? Difficulties, hardships that might cause us to say, if this were just changed, I could say with the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. Note next, he's going to talk about hardship. Jason read from us uh, just a moment ago, again, talking about the Apostle Paul and his plight and telling these Christians not necessarily to worry about him, but he says, listen, I know how to suffer need. Any of us like to suffer need? I know how to be abased. I know how to be at the bottom of the, of the barrel. I know how it is whenever things really hurt and whenever, whenever times are hard. I know that those times come to each one of us. And we're tempted sometimes to say, if that thing were just removed out of my life, that difficulty or that hardship were just taken away, I could say with confidence that with the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at what he mentions next. Distress, affliction. And talking about the Philippian Christians and how they shared with him in his distress. The word there is the Greek word for affliction. That is something that hurts, something that bites, something that hits again and again and again. Here's something that's going to come to Paul and he's suffering these things. He's in this hardship and this difficulty. How can Paul write a letter to these Christians saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Always, Paul. Don't you mean if situations or circumstances were better? Don't you really mean if these things were taken out of my life? Don't you really mean that, 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 that if this one little thing were changed and moved out of my life, that I could rejoice in the Lord then? Paul says, no, no, no. I want you to notice, brothers and sisters, Paul writes Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, in the middle of the context of these things. Paul is saying you have given by God the capability to say, With the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want. I have everything that I need. I don't need these situations necessarily to be changed in order for me to be joyful in Christ. But I feel that way sometimes. I have that sometimes, that longing desire that if it was, that I would just have this or have this changed or maybe we'll be able to shape this situation the way that I think it ought to go, that everything would be just fine. In the middle of this chapter, note the three things that God promises us. He promises down in verse 13, contentment. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You look at the verse right above that, and he's talking about being content in what God has given him. And saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I, finish it, shall not want. He talks about Christian joy, chapter 4 and verse 4. And how it is that we are rejoiced in the Lord and always, and again I say rejoice. You know why? Because the Lord is my shepherd, finish it, I shall not want. He talks about peace in chapter 4 and verse 6. In chapter 4, verse 7, and chapter 4, verse 9, rather. He says, you be anxious for nothing and everything pray. And what does he say is the result of that in verse 7? And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. You're saying that in the middle of these hardships and these difficulties, I can have peace, I can have something, a, a transcendence, a, 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 a feeling that's going to carry me through those things? That with the Lord as my shepherd, I know I shall not want. It's exactly what he's saying. 
That's what's supplied to you by the Lord. So there's no need to go and look and try and find the grass being greener on the other side, but to realize that God's given you everything that you need through Christ. How is it that even in the hard times, even when I'm facing these things and having these things go through my life, can I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Let me give you four things this morning. And by the way, I split this sermon, so if you're following along in your sermon outline sheet, you realize that there are seven blanks, and I realized this as I was walking through my neighborhood with a dog this morning and preaching this lesson that I said, this is way too much information. So I'm splitting it in half. We're going to talk about four this morning and three this evening. You can say amen if you'd like to, all right? I'm not looking up to see who's saying it. How do I cultivate joy and peace and contentment? All the things that Philippians chapter four talks about. Whenever it is that I'm in the midst of maybe some of these things, worry, strife, affliction, difficulty, hardship, whatever it is, how can I say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Number one, look at verse one. It's about where I'm standing. It's about where I'm standing. Stand fast in the Lord. Look at how he begins chapter four and verse one. Therefore, beloved, my soul, what does he say? He says, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown. First thing he's going to tell them they need to do is check their standing. Stand fast in the Lord, beloved. couple things to note about this. In the Lord, that's where you are. That's where you are. Writing this to Christians, where he uses twice in the same verse the word beloved, where he uses also in the same verse the word brethren. Stand fast in the Lord. It's about where you're standing. And it's about resolving that I'm going to stay there and I'm not going to be moved by anything. You ever look at how it is that people are referred to as moving within the Bible? It, it, it fascinates me sometimes whenever you go through a book like Ephesians and it talks about checking where you're walking. And checking how it is that you're walking, that you walk pleasing of the Lord, and, and that you walk worthy of the calling with which you, have called, uh, you were called, and that you walk worthy of the gospel of Christ, and you're walking and you're moving in a direction. But here in Philippians, he's saying, this is about where you're standing, that I will not be moved away from the promises that Christ has made. Note just a moment that there is a simple word in there that tells me this refers back to something that he's already talked about. Read it with me one more time. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy is crown, so stand fast in the Lord. What's he referring to? Well, he's referring to what he just finished saying in chapter 3. And if you look back up to chapter 3, he's going to talk about three different qualities and characteristics that we're looking forward to in our standing. The first one is that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. The second one is that we're eagerly waiting for the Savior. Our Savior is in heaven. And number three, He's going to transform our lowly body and conform it to His glorious body. Our hope is with our Savior in heaven who we're waiting for. This is where I'm standing. I will not allow my feet to be moved one inch from this hope that God has given me in Christ Jesus. No matter what difficulty comes, no matter what trials come, no matter what discord comes between me and my friends or my family, I want to stand fast in the Lord. I'm not going to move my feet one inch. 
brothers and sisters, you know, if I go to a foreign country and that foreign country begins to hurt me and afflict me, you know what my appeal is constantly going to be is that American passport that I will refuse to part with? Why is that? Because that shows that I'm under the laws and the ordinances of the United States of America. I am a citizen of that country. I am a blessed citizen to live in this land of freedom with all the rights and responsibilities. I know that this is who I am, and I'm not going to turn loose of that. Because that's my identity. You ever thought about this world when it begins to afflict you and hurl things at you? And cause problems in your life because you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. What is it that's going to keep your feet from moving? It is the fact that you're holding on to, metaphorically speaking, a heavenly passport. A citizenship that God has given you to make you a child of the kingdom. He's translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Colossians 1 verse 13. I am not of the world anymore. I'm living for a different purpose. You don't let your feet be moved from that. You know where sheep are going to find themselves if they choose or if they ignorantly just choose to depart from the shepherd? You know where they're going to find themselves? Maybe they're going after that greener grass. Maybe they're going after that more lush meadow as they see like it is. They're going to find themselves in distress in hardship, in life-changing and life-altering and difficult, dangerous situations. But no matter what it is in this life, you make sure that you are standing fast in Christ. It's about where you're standing. So it is that with the Lord, I know that shepherd's there by my side. He's not going to leave me nor forsake me. He is with me all the way until the end. Matthew 28, verse 20. And it is I can trust and I can hope in him. Let me drop this off before we move on. The only way that you can be in Christ is to be baptized into Christ. Did you know that? That all in every command that has to do with salvation and has to do with you becoming a child of God, being able to enter into Christ, you can read about faith that leads you toward Christ, but you can't have faith into Christ. Hebrews, or excuse me, Romans 10, 17 tells us uh, by faith, um, it's not without faith. I'm sorry, my, my brain stopped working just for a moment. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it is that I can repent and that repentance will lead me towards Christ, but I don't repent into Christ. You know, it is that I confess Jesus Christ to, as my Lord and Savior, as the, the one coming in the flesh, but I don't confess into Christ. The only word that into is added to is the word baptized. Galatians 3.27, we have been baptized into Christ. The only way to get into Christ, to have the standing, is to be added to the body through submitting to what it is the Lord says. Number two. How do I cultivate peace and joy and contentment in my life? We've got to make true fellowship a priority. True fellowship a priority. It's about who it is that we associate with. Who it is that we are bind, bonded with. He talks about these two ladies beginning verse 2. Euodia. 
Euodia word, uh, the word literally means in Greek, fine traveling. I wonder uh, if, uh, if she was born on the road somewhere, right, uh, in a taxi cab, I don't know. Uh, but you find that she's fine traveling. And the word syntyche has to do with an accident. Again, you wonder what the parents were thinking of when they named it, right? But you think about what happens whenever fine traveling meets with an accident. Now we have cause to upset the apple cart. Now we have cause to rethink everything. But what Paul is encouraging, what he's thinking about is saying, don't let these women break their ties of fellowship together. Don't let them, one of them, write off the other one. Don't let one of them mistreat the other one. In fact, he would go on to say, and you, fellow companion, fellow worker, yoke fellow. You know what yoke fellow is? Here's this big yoke, and here's these two oxen. One of the oxen has this yoke on this side, the other one has the yoke on that side, and they are pulling together. They're encouraging, and they're, they're moving in the same direction. That's the word, and he says, and you, true yoke fellow, you get involved in the situation, and you make sure that these two women are behaving the way that they ought to with all the rest of us, the fellow workers whose name are in the book of life. We have reason to rejoice, to be joyful, to be content, to be peaceful, even when people aren't getting along because we're pointing them back to Jesus and saying, this is who our Savior is. Our feet are not going to be moved from this, point number one. But we're also going to behave as people ought to in encouraging Christian fellowship. This fellowship is precious. The relationship you have with the people in this room is precious. And it's something worth fighting for. It's something worth encouraging and something worth trying to work out. And what the devil wants more than anything else in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, and yes, even in the church, is to divide that fellowship and to cause this side to feel like they need to take pot shots at that side. It's not what we need. You want to have a relationship with the Lord as our shepherd where we say, I shall not want We've got to see our fellowship as precious. You know what? In a couple of Saturdays, on October 5th, we have an opportunity to work together in fellowship. We're getting ready for our friends and family day on October 6th. I hope it is that you'll have friends and family that you know that you want to invite and have with you here on this occasion. But on October 5th, we're going to go out into the community and knock on doors together as a group, as God's people, as yoke fellows, people who are pulling for the same cause. And I hope that on October 5th, this entire building, that entire building over there will be full for elders to feed. Yes, they're going to feed us breakfast. And as we go out together, we're going to be laboring and saying, we'll work till Jesus comes because we recognize the preciousness of being a child of God about where he's placed our feet, but also in the job that he's given us to do in evangelizing and encouraging the community to come to know him. It's about where our feet are, but it's about where our fellowship is. It's also about, number three, thankfulness on our lips. Let thankfulness be ceaseless. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Let thankfulness and joy be on your lips and in your heart. Rejoice where? Rejoice in the Lord. Again, presupposes that you're already there. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Not sometimes, not when you feel like it, not when you don't feel like it. You rejoice always. You look at yourself and your life and, and how God has richly blessed you. And you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is a statement of rejoicing, of looking at the Lord and what he's provided. And Paul doesn't stop there, but then he says, again, I say rejoice. The Bible says it once, it's important. The Bible repeats it. We'd better wake up and pay attention. Can you be thankful in any situation? Or are we grumbling and complaining? Are we looking at our lot and saying, yeah, I wish I had something different? I wish if this situation were just changed. The thing that made God angriest in the wilderness in Numbers chapter 11 was that those people were sitting there and, and I, I never thought about this until I heard a speaker recently say this, but have you ever thought about this, the children of Israel sitting around a campfire and having their manna and tasting the manna and saying, all we have to eat is just this worthless manna. Can you imagine how good it was back in Egypt where we enjoyed all those different fruits and vegetables? Oh, they were so fresh. They were so wonderful. Can you imagine? And now all we got is just this worthless bread. Who was it that provided the bread? They didn't do anything to work for it, to need it, or to, to do anything to, to cultivate it. It came from heaven. It appeared on the ground every single morning. And if those people could be so calloused with that blessing that God had given them, how callous can we be with regard to the blessings that God has given us? How am I this morning? Can I say with the Lord as my shepherd, I shall not want? Or is it that I find myself grumbling and complaining against the blessings that he's already provided me with? Looking over into those greener pastures instead of turning around and saying, thank you, God, for everything that you've done for me. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my car. Thank you, God, for my house. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for my state in life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, you will never find a person that is a happy complainer. You're never going to find a happy complainer. You're never going to find a peaceful, joyful, content person whenever it is that they've got complaint on their lips. You want to know how you can change your state in life? You don't want to know how you can change your mindset? Put thankfulness in your heart no matter what is put before your eyes? Make sure that you're thankful in your heart before you ever see anything that's put before your eyes. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Last one we'll talk about this morning. Number four, exemplify a spirit of gentleness. It's about how we behave. It's about how we behave. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The word gentleness is translated a number of different ways. Maybe you have a different word. Maybe your word is moderation. The word is mild or fair or equitable. Let your moderation, your fairness be made known to all men. I like to think about this word gentleness with the word even keel. Even keel. That's a nautical term. Do you know that? Nautical term where as you're sailing along in your boat, you're not listing this side, you're not listing to that side, and it is that whenever things have keeled over that you're in a bad situation. Things are upside down. 
But here's a person that is so in control of their behavior that they are gentle. You don't have to worry about this person flying off the handle every time something doesn't go their way. You don't have to worry about them exploding in anger because of their situation. You know that a person like that is going to be even keel, even if it is there's something that's upsetting, a storm that comes, something that really will rock somebody else's boat. This is a person who will continue sailing on in the same direction without capsizing. Does that describe you? Does that describe me this morning? Speaking out loud sometimes helps. There are times when I come home and something that maybe has happened at work or something has happened on the way home or something has happened just over the course of the day where it is that I feel just a little bit irritable. And it is that my wife, my kids don't necessarily know that that's the way I'm feeling. It may be that just like a powder keg, these things have begun to build up in my life. The last thing I want to do is take it out on my kids. And you know what sometimes helps me is acknowledging your feelings out loud. I want to, not to give away the next point, but praying those things out loud to God. God, this has happened in my life today. God, I'm really hurting because this person said this word to me. God, I'm really hurting because I just feel like I'm running and running and running and running and can't catch up. And God, it's made me really irritable. It's made me really angry. But God, as I come home, I don't want to take these things out of my family. God, I don't want to take these things out, so I'm going to give these things to you, knowing that you are bigger and knowing that you are my shepherd, and with you I shall not want. As you go into that house, you know what you're ready to do. You're ready to see things in an even-keel way. Let your gentleness be made known, not just to your families, but to all men. Do you suppose that would help some in our relationships with our families? Do you suppose that would help in our office situations? And the people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, that server, that waitress that accidentally spilled the tea in your lap, do you feel like being an even-keeled person would help her to know something more about the shepherd that you serve? I do. I do. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know something about each one of these commands that we've talked about. About how it is that you stand fast in the Lord about how you rejoice in the Christian fellowship and you help people to get along the way God wants them to and about how you rejoice in the Lord always and about how you let your gentleness or your moderation or your even keelness be made known to all men. That's your choice. And that's my choice. These are the tools that God has provided for you and for me But they're the choice that I take in picking up and saying, I will not let my feet be moved because he's my shepherd and he's given me everything I need. I'm going to take care of the Christian fellowship and the joy that it is to be a child of God because he's my shepherd and he's given me everything I need. I'm going to rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. I'm going to do it every single day of my life and and strive to do it every minute because I make the choice to do it. I'm going to be even keel because I know that that's far better than anything else, any other reaction that I could possibly have in the situation. Those are choices that you make and I make. But as we make those choices, you know what's going to come to us over time 
is an understanding of the contentment that the Lord gives, the joy that the Lord gives, and the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds, Christ Jesus. We've done three this mor- or four this morning. We'll do three more tonight. Brothers and sisters, maybe this morning, as a Christian, your life is robbed of the joy that's there for the taking. Maybe it is this morning that your life is robbed of the peace that God so wants to bestow upon you because of your attitude, because of the way that you've reacted towards situations, or because it is that you're too focused on other things, maybe the greener grass. Maybe it is this morning that your life is robbed of the contentment to where you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, but feel something different. I would much rather want this thing over here. God's given you everything you need. It's yours for the taking. And if we can help you to understand how better to hold on to the blessings that are in Christ and how better to to live your life by the example, by the standard, we'd love to sit down and study with you and pray with you and pray for you. Whatever it is that you need as a Christian, we're here for you. But if you're not a Christian this morning, there is only one way to be in Christ where you have the blessings that are promised to a child of God Here in Philippians chapter 4, Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. Acts 2, verse 38, Peter said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's the only way to get into Jesus. Don't you want that? If you do, we stand ready to assist you as we stand and sing our invitation song.